When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 123, Unmissable Opinions, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, as always, and today I am joined by Mike Miller, and you know him pretty well, so again, I don't need any fluffy introduction from the Borgana Podcast, of course. Now, Mike, you don't happen to have a higher profile brother who goes on a different podcast, and we got you instead, and people are all up in arms about it. I'd say I'm pretty happy with who we got here. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dan. It's a pleasure, as always. Yeah, and of course, that leads us right into La Gran Pagunta. That's We're not going to waste anybody's time. This is what we're talking about today, and this is the big news that just broke, what, uh, four or five hours ago, and it's about Kevin Prince Boateng coming to Barcelona from Syria. A. The Gran Pagunta today, what does Kevin Prince Boateng add to Barcelona? And, you know, I kind of gave it away in the intro, um, Mike, That, but not only are we really happy that Mike got to join us again, but I'm not too... Uh, been out of shape about Boateng. So let's start this also by referencing, obviously, LaRonda comes from the closed Facebook group, those listener questions. But I also, due to the short nature of how quickly this news came out, I put those requests out on both Facebook and Twitter this time around. So we have gotten some Twitter questions as well. So we have plenty of stuff to talk about in LaRonda. And I want to make mention to two on Twitter, both Cameron and an old friend of the podcast, or really an OG of the podcast, Matthew Lazardi, a listener. Uh, basically, welcome back, I guess, from a question from Matt and Cameron, of course, uh, a, a very um, fervent listener and always contributing something. So they both asked about Boateng. I want to give them the credit, but uh, La Grande Pregunta today about Chris 
Kevin Prince Boateng. So my first impression is it's okay. And before I even explain any of that, Mike, I want to ask you, what do you think of it? At first, I was uh, kind of taken aback, to be honest with you, because uh, of all the names that we have heard circulating in the past few days, uh, the name of Prince uh, flew right under the radar. We heard names such as uh, Carlos Vela, just to name him. And like I said, my first reaction was kind of uh, a bit of a shock. But when I started thinking about it, I I could tell you, Dan, that I think that this sign-in, the way it's done, the way it's set up, uh, and considering where we are this season, I think it makes sense. And it makes sense because it's low risk. It's only a six-month loan. If he performs well, there's an there's a purchase option of 8 million euros, which is peanuts in today's market. And although uh, Prince Boateng is not considered as uh, an out-and-out striker or a traditional number nine, he could contribute uh, in many other ways. He could score goals, definitely, but he could also bring grit, intensity, uh, and uh, high pace, high energy to, to our game, which is something that is reminiscent of either Paulinho or an Arturo Vidal. So I think that his addition will definitely bring depth in the squad. He'll be able to to, to let uh, Luis Suarez rest every now and then, but he can also play alongside him as a withdrawn or as a second striker or even as a winger at times. Yeah, and that's the point too. His versatility, really important here. Uh, and, you know, when you, the first point you'd made about referencing that all the different names that were thrown out, you know, I looked at, you know, the, and yeah, people got a little bit of flack about, uh, you know, what, a, what about an MLS player, but really you're getting a guy in Carlos Velia potentially who was, you know, he's still in his early thirties. He can still score goals and he can play all across the front three. But when I looked at all the different nuances here, Stuani or, or Jovic at Frankfurt and what what he would cost in January and what he does for Frankfurt. And it seems like guys were either not guys you were going to get in January, like Joe Vicker or, or Verna or whoever, what have you. And then Vela, Stuani, those older, more experienced names that kept being thrown out, there seemed to be something wrong with bringing each of those. Joe Girona has no reason to sell Stuani. I mean, he's going to be, he's if they are able to avoid relegation, which it looks like they're on a good path to, they need Stuani to do that. And again, Vela, just with the schedule of the MLS season and his role on that team, it doesn't make sense for them to you know even if it's to go to Barcelona for six months it doesn't really work with the calendar so the thing I do want to mention here is when you talk about Kevin Prince Boateng you know I think we talk about his past success for Ghana at the World Cup or for AC Milan where most people probably remember him from and I think the important thing to do is to look at what you were talking about Mike and what the 31 year old has been up to lately and as friend of the pot Alex Tuwika mentioned on Twitter his role at Frankfurt over in Germany obviously the Bundesliga last season was largely as a central and attacking midfielder behind the striker it's as an attack a center midfielder that most people remember or know him as but he also played five matches as the center forward at Frankfurt it kind of was that little taste test I guess to see what would work in a smaller sample size in total he only got six goals and assists but you fast forward to this season, he played 10 games as the center forward for Sassolo and one at both attacking midfield and left wing. Only three goals and two assists this year. But again, Mike, you nailed it right on the head uh, with that point that it, what calms me about this whole thing is that he's not really here to score goals. He's here to potentially score some goals, but he fits into the system as Luis Suarez's backup and as as a guy who does play the nine but the current role of Ernesto Valverde's number nine is to press work hard 
be a threat, be a pest, be physical and intimidating, make space for others. And you're looking at Boateng's last few years, it seems like that's the player we're getting. It's a guy who's playing as basically a number nine and who does all of those things. Messi's still going to score the, the majority of the goals. Dembele, when he gets healthy, still going to be scoring. Hopefully Coutinho adds some. Suarez is the starter. So whatever, to me, that Boateng adds... Uh, it, it, Kevin Prince Boateng adds in relief or just to help out the occasional goal, uh, even on a set piece, is is solace. And the other thing I do want to finally throw on the end of this with his character is that he obviously has all these tattoos. He played in Italy for a long time, and there were a lot of stories which I would accuse as basically being racist libel against Kevin Prince Boateng. If you actually look at what other teammates have said of him through the years, yes, he's bounced around and been in a ton of clubs, and he doesn't really do well with front offices, but it seems like teammates really, really like him, and you've got an experienced team going for all kind of competitions in Barcelona, and it seems like he could be a welcome fit knowing exactly what his role is into this locker room. Exactly, exactly, and uh, on top of that, you're making a great point, and on top of that, I would like to add... If there is something that I'm sure attracted uh, the sporting direction of FC Barcelona about Kevin Prince Boateng, on top of everything that you just mentioned, is also the fact that he's got uh, some La Liga experience. He had his best season ever in his entire career in 2016-2017, scoring 10 La Liga goals for Kike Setien's uh, Las Palmas. And... That that season, that coming of age, really saved his career because he was becoming sort of a journeyman, a journeyman. Yeah. Pardon me, at this point in his career, and because of that great season he had had with uh, Las Palmas, he was able to earn a move back to his uh, birth country of Germany with Eintracht Frankfurt. Right, and that's where things have kind of refigured themselves out. Again, he's been on all these clubs: Schalke, AC Milan. The list goes on and on. He started at Hertha, where he was born in Berlin, Berlin, as you mentioned. And, you know, choosing Ghana while his brother, uh, Jerome Boateng, of course, the guy we started the show referencing, the center back for Bayern Munich, with them choosing different countries that, you know, created almost unnecessary storylines and drama. And, of course, this is something that we're not going to mention on the show, but you can look it up. There's some stuff between uh, some discussion about him and his wife and some injuries that had happened through time. Again, we're not going to get into that on the show. But one of the things, uh, Mike, is you know, we kind of sift through this Boateng edition, is that some people get the impression that he could be blocking others from minutes. And, you know, I don't think that, again, is a guy who can play at that number nine and just be that occasional backup source. Suarez is still going to run himself on the ground and play the majority of matches, but he just can be that number nine and you almost get a like-for-like replacement at, at, a, at a lower level. And for me, I, I don't... I'm not really concerned with him taking time from younger players or other players on the squad because, you know, I'm calmed by the fact that Alvaro Ruiz, unfortunately, both dealing with injury and he had some, you know, stalled development this season. He hasn't taken that leap like expected. Again, he's still a teenager, so don't worry about it. This was never going to be his spot this season. And, uh, you know, Rafa Mujica for Barca B is their starting forward. I don't think they were going to move him. And he is a pro in his own right, but he's just not Barcelona second half of the season good enough. And then everybody else, Malcolm, Dembele, Coutinho, uh, whoever it may be, even Messi. Messi in this system doesn't play as the false nine. Messi plays in his own role, in his own space. So basically having a like-for-like replacement, uh, an experienced player to play with experienced players, that winds up making sense to me. And we still whisper about that night in Roma. And I'll tell you what, adding Arturo Vidal and Kevin Prince-Boateng, even if they don't play in an important Champions League match, even if those guys are your bench players... Having them in the locker room at halftime 
you know, you feel a lot better with that, and you feel like this is a team that just didn't have that last year. Have those, you know, Mad Max-looking crazy heads who even Vidal, after early social media issues and getting frozen out briefly, something happened behind the scenes. He's figured everything out. And even if Kevin Prince Boateng comes with a little bit of baggage, Barcelona certainly, if you can ask Luis Suarez off the field, has a way of straightening guys out and making everything look a little more pristine, you know, the way it is on the field. Even if it, they are who they are on the field, off the field, everything gets cleaned up, and it seems like it's very kumbaya. Exactly, and he comes with this uh, warrior mentality that we really need to, to, to get to the next level and uh, go further in Europe because, let's not kid ourselves, our ambitions are not domestic this season. Uh, we will not be satisfied with a double. We're trying to go for the big one, and if, if we want to get the big one, we need that type of attitude. That being said... I don't think that he's going to come in threatening any any of our players because the only player who could have filled this spot has just left uh, on a 1 million euro transfer to Sevilla and he was going to leave on a free transfer this summer anyway yeah. by the name of Munir. Yeah, certainly. And that's why I said that with the other guys not ready to take this spot, you know, the B players, this yeah. is always going to be an experienced backup for six months. So it doesn't ruin any chance of signing a, a future number nine over the summertime. It doesn't do any of that. Now... Let's move off Kevin Prince Boateng individually, and let's round up Legrand Pagunta. This is kind of like an and one for Legrand Pagunta, let's say. Uh, I really want to talk about this rumor, and it is just still a rumor at this point, of Barcelona now having some kind of relationship or agreement with Sosolo, who are currently 12th in Serie A, but importantly, they are in Serie A, and over the last few years, they have established themselves as a mid-table team in Italy after gaining promotion to the first division for the first time in 2013. So they are a new face on the Italian scene, and they seem to have fit in pretty well. Now, the most famous player is probably Boateng, but you'd also mention uh, Domenico Berardi, who does play for the Italian national team. He's a winger. He's expected to go to big clubs every summer, seemingly, and he just stays now 24 years old at Sassolo. And he's really their talisman. And again, he's just a 24-year-old who helped them gain promotion uh, from Syria, uh, Syria C to Syria Bay. Regardless, I don't think this would be a relationship like Man City have with Girona, where they own a fraction of the team, and probably not even the kind of, you know, well, I want to say like symbiotic relationship that Chelsea have with Vitesse over in the Netherlands. But I actually think of it more like how Juventus, and I don't really like the way this happens, but the way Juventus and the way they loan their players to a bunch of different Italian clubs, but sans the weird Italian rules of co-ownership and player ownership and how multiple teams can own fractions of the player. It, it's it's a mess that I don't really know how to get into. Again, we cover La Liga here, not Serie A, but can you make sense of that, Mike? Are there any examples you can think of about what this kind of relationship would be like? Well, my, my impression is that, and to use a term that is very well known here in North America. I have a feeling that this deal is a future considerations type of deal following uh, the transaction which involved Marlon last summer. Mm -hmm. That's my that's what my feeling is. And Barcelona is known. Uh, obviously, the club gets a lot of bad publicity for uh, the problems that it had with uh, PSG and uh, other clubs, Liverpool over the years, but it also entertains good relationships with clubs such as Sassuolo, to name this one, but also Valencia, Sevilla, um, Ajax, and those relationships are built upon these types of transfers. And uh, I have a feeling that the Marlon deal was the opener of uh, this type of relationship, and I wouldn't be surprised if we would see more deals between both clubs in the future. 
Yeah, I mean, the first two players that I thought of with this kind of rumor were uh, actually the B players, Carlos Perez and Alex Callado. Now, two guys at 20 and 19, respectively, that have, you know, too many other guys in front of them for the first team. And I don't think they have long-term futures at Barcelona. But first division experience would have probably been better off, particularly for a guy like Carlos Perez, who's about to be 21, for their overall careers than playing in the Spanish third division with really no hope of making the first team in a way that Puj and Alvaro Ruiz play in that third division so that they're available in Barcelona, in Catalonia. They can just be called up whenever. But if Perez and Callado are just going to be training randomly and not really ever going to make the first team bench or crack in for a Copa del Rey or whatever it may be, they're getting much better professional experience if you can send them out on loan. And trust me, I mean, Anzu Fati, there are other guys who are 16, 17, 18 years old who can play in the third division in Spain. I'm not too worried about that with the talent that La Masia has. Um, but, you know, and, and then, hey, I'm not saying they don't have a place in the first team, but they take that leap out on loan. You can take a hard look at them the next year in preseason. And I think it's a win-win-win for everybody. Because again, if they do succeed at a club like Sassuolo, uh, then Sasula might think about being able to use them. And at least if they don't get them at the end of it, they were able to use a talented player who was able to take a leap forward for that one season. I don't really see, again, I, I think that's kind of the player that ideally, and that's kind of what Marlon Santos right, was, right? That's a kind of caliber of player we're talking about here. Exactly. And Collado, I think it made sense though for Collado to play in the Segunda Bay this season as he was playing in the Juvenil uh, last season. And... It was important for him to get that first crack at professional uh, at professional football before moving away to to a first division side. And for for Carlos Perez, fitness was the issue, obviously. That's true. And uh, I think that if he could finish the season healthy, uh, sky's the limit for him. And a, a move like that to to mid table squad uh, as Sassuolo in Italy or, or or anywhere else in Europe really where he could have decent minutes and he can hone his skills and perhaps come back stronger to La Liga uh, if not with Barcelona certainly with another club just like uh, just like a Christian Teo did for example he went out on loan and he was able to make something out of it and now He's a very important piece of a of a very good team in Real Betis. Yeah, I mean, Christian Teo, that's a, always a great name that pops up where I really don't think of many negative things with him, where he basically succeeded everywhere he was sent out. Um, sans that, what, I think the one year at Fiorentina where he was kind of found himself on the bench, but everywhere else he was ever sent, he seemed to do just fine. And, you know, he was never going to have a lot of substantial playing time with the Barcelona first team, but it doesn't mean he's not a professional in a Champions League side. And that's what Barcelona do. They produce professionals and not just guys who are going to play in the third division or, you know, the second division somewhere of some random, random league around the world. But these are guys that are going to be playing for other teams in first divisions just because you don't, just because you can't take Messi's spot doesn't mean you're not a professional. Um, and so we're going to, with that, move over to LaRonda. And let's get right into it. I first want to give a shout out here in our closed Facebook group where I always ask for those questions every week. And we get uh, a lot of good content there and a lot of good discussion. Uh, Ellie has been a name that's been really important to what they're doing. And we're going to start with his question here. Uh, but he always has so much content, so many updates. I got to talk to him personally for the first time today uh, just to ask, ask actually how to pronounce his name. Um, but I want to actually give a special thank you carve out a little bit of moment um, to thank him for what he does inside the Facebook group. And if you're not a part of that, it's tbpod.link backslash group. If you answer those three questions, I let you in. No questions asked. Just tell us where you listen to the show. 
tell us, obviously, it's in your ears now. Tell us where you listen to it, and then an email, and why you like Barcelona, and you're right in the group here, and you can enjoy that conversation as well. So without further ado, Ellie asks, can we have more of this Alenia Busquets-Arter midfield? Of course, that the midfield three from the win over Leganes. I feel Valverde won't be willing to make them the main three, but they sure show that they are a pretty good Barcelona midfield for us. I added the pretty good there, Mike, but what do you think of those three? I, I absolutely agree with this. I'm not saying that Alenia should be an undisputed starter this time, just like uh, Busquets and uh, Arthur, but I really do believe that Rakitic has been playing way, way too much this season, and although we haven't really felt it in an extremely negative light at this time, I'm afraid that if we keep this going... It, it, we're gonna we're gonna pay for it big time either in the Champions League or in the later rounds of La Liga. So I'm thinking that Elenia should definitely get more minutes as he has been effective every time he had been used this season, and he's proven to be a reliable La Liga midfielder, not just uh, the new kid on the block who needs more minutes, but really a reliable La Liga midfielder. And I'm thinking that. If we want to be able to use Rakitic effectively, we have to we have to let him spend more time on the bench. And when he has to skip his turn uh, on a match, it would actually mean to have him rest the entire 90 minutes rather than have him uh, hop on the field on the 60th or 70th minute. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a little tangent, a little aside, but when I was trying to watch the match uh, on delay against Leganes... I was watching it on Fubo TV, and because I had forgot to record it, silly me, I couldn't fast forward, so I had to wait for it to fast forward. And I was having some internet issues. I wasn't at uh, at home where I normally am, and so every time I'd have an internet issue, it would restart the broadcast, and it was maddening. I mean, it really was maddening to try to watch the match like this. But that said, every time I watch the match and I'm watching Alenia for that first 35 minutes again, I first I had to take off my Lamasia tinted glasses. Then I had to take off my new toy, new player in the midfield tinted glasses. And, you know, I agree with you that Alenia, it's not just our bias towards wanting a Lamasia player to succeed. I think he has been good enough to be given time and trusted in basically every situation. Uh, he is still not in a starting midfield three in a do or die situation, but that's the whole point of competing across multiple competitions. There really aren't many do or die competitions or sorry, do or die matches, if you will. And it really just does boil down the champions league. I would trust him starting any La Liga match for the rest of the season. Any, any 90 minutes of any La Liga match. I would not be surprised. I would be surprised to say, because again, you don't expect that, but I would be fully trusting Eleni in those situations. Would you have him play a full 90 minutes against Real Madrid on March 2nd? I look at the table, and I think the answer should be yes. (laughs) Well, you look at the other two guys in the midfield, right? It's either going to be Artur, Busquets, Vidal, Rakitic. It doesn't all fall win or lose on Alenia. I think either way. I think he's he's having as good of a season in the limited time of what I've seen from him. I would put him against the the Real Madrid midfield at the moment. It would certainly be a... Great way to show him uh, <laughs> to show him that we actually trust him, and it would build his confidence tremendously for the rest of the season. I mean, he's also. I look at Sergio Roberto, and it seems to me this season, defensively at least. I mean, we're happy with what he does offensively, but I've been a little on him the last few weeks. And uh, yes, he's coming back from injury, but defensively, uh, if it's not Real Madrid or a, a, a big game or a big opponent or a big moment, 
he has been, uh, Roberto, I mean, lacking defensively against a team like Leganes. Uh, so if we're all in on La Masia players playing against Real Madrid and the ones that they, they have been training their whole lives for, then, you know, I'm all for it. But let's move on from that topic. We got one from Davey asked, is there any info on the club possibly still signing Matthias De Ligt? Uh, it seems like there is no real interest at this point. I don't know, Mike, for the last three, four months, how in on De Ligt we have been. That's kind of where I stand on that. My my feeling is that although the club would love to have him and the player would love to come here, uh, to come to Barcelona rather, I have a feeling that the main roadblock to that transfer possibly happening is his agent, Mino Raiola. Yeah. Uh, and Mino Raiola is not even his licensed agent. He's just acting as, a, as an intermediate, but I could see him becoming his full-time agent in the near future. That being said, Mino Raiola has been a torn on the side for Barcelona for, for, for many years now. And the De Ligt situation, as well as the De Jong situation, is no stranger to what we know about the Dutch super agent. Yeah, and the one thing that's always brought up, too, is that he is representing Xavi Simons as well, who's up for a contract, uh, we'll say renegotiation at his age, uh, down at the cadet A level. And he's the guy that, obviously, you want to look at. And Riola, as an agent... It's not just a, a thorn in Barcelona's side, but he always asks for, you know, some large percentages of transfer fees. And even on a free transfer, there was a really good article about this in The Athletic, uh, not by not by friend of the pod, Kevin Williams, but uh, by somebody else about how even if a free transfer, they use the word free, but agents get a huge fee from that move. And it, with a talent like Delict, who the reason Barcelona are in on Delict is, yes, because obviously he comes from Ajax, he is a terrific talent. But being the young player of the year, every other major club, and that's what I would say too, if we kind of took off, Google has figured us out. The algorithms, Mike, have figured us out that when I type in something, it gives me a Barcelona-related something. That's how much I'm, you know, because that's what the algorithms now do. If you are a Man United fan or Tottenham or, or PSG, Real Madrid, whoever it is, and you type in Delict and that team, you're going to find a number of articles. That's just how good he is. Every major club in the world will say is in on him and is looking at him and thinks that he's their future guy. So unfortunately, you know, you do look at the writing on the wall, and I agree with you. I think the lick just there's too many factors here that say that Barcelona are not going to shell out that kind of big money for him. Yeah, that's unfortunate because really lately we've been needing uh, signings at three key positions: a center back, uh, a central defensive midfielder, and a number nine. And when I'm talking about number nine, I'm not talking about uh, a backup, but really someone who could eventually replace Luis Suarez. Yeah. And for the first two, the name, the names on every pair of lips in the entire world have been De Ligt and De Young. As a number nine, the conversation is a bit more diversified. We've named a few earlier. I could add to that list Maxi Gomez. But as for a central defensive midfielder and a center back, there is a huge consensus amongst uh, fans as well as journalists who are, who are covering FC Barcelona unfortunately it's it seems to be it seems to be not just money but a whole bunch of uh, of things surrounding uh, you know the the business world <laughs> the business world of football that we that we tend to forget but is very much a truth it's not it's not yeah. just a, a a matter of the player wanting to come here or the club wanting to, to to bring the player in but there are so many other factors yep it's not just we're not just playing football manager 
And uh, so let's continue, LaRonda. Let's kind of take it into warp speed, I guess. We've got a lot of questions left. Baggio asks, what can Valverde do to get Coutinho back to his previous form? Now with Dembele injured, we probably need him even more. We often make the mistake to pin Coutinho against Dembele and compare them. And really, I don't think that I don't think that we should be doing that. I don't think that the media should be doing that, and I don't think that the manager has been doing that either. Yeah. The problem is that the player himself obviously is not blind to what to what is being written about him, and I'm sure that it's been affecting his uh, his self confidence for sure. Now he's good enough. Turn it on at any given at any given day. Uh, I don't disagree with uh, Valverde uh, when it comes to what he's been doing with Coutinho, which is to play him uh, reasonably. Like, even if he starts on the bench, he could come in on the second half. If he starts the match, he'll be subbed out. And I think that's okay. He needs playing time, but he doesn't need to be burnt out. Of course, and I'm not sure how long Dembele is going to be out for, but... If Dembele is out, naturally it's going to give more playing time to Coutinho. But I don't think that this is exactly what Coutinho needed. What he needs is just one flash of brilliance, one uh, one great match, one great individual performance, and he'll be back on. If it doesn't happen uh, in the next few weeks, if it doesn't happen before the end of the season, then unfortunately we will have to reevaluate. But before that can happen, there will be a Copa America this summer, and he will have a chance to to show some greatness uh, this summer as well. I'm not willing, or nor am I ready, to give up on Coutinho because we all know what he's able to do. But I'm wondering right now if it's a question of him lacking self-confidence, or if he's playing hurt, or if he's simply not fitting. Uh, in Valverde's system. Yeah, well, let me give you an off-the-cup question from Sikander. With Chelsea supposedly interested in Coutinho, would you be down for a swap for Eden Hazard? I believe that Hazard would have the same struggles as Coutinho because he's... Yeah, I agree with that. He played in the same environment, in the same in the same league. Uh sensibly the same style you know and he he Coutinho nor Coutinho doesn't have the freedom with Barcelona that he had with Liverpool and I don't think that Hazard would have the same freedom at Barcelona that he's used to having uh, at Chelsea so no I, I think that at this point we should we should really try to make it work with with Coutinho and if it doesn't work out then after the Copa America, we shall wait and see what types of offers that we can get for the for the Brazilian player. Well, you know, Coutinho is going to have to be, that's what people have been saying. I, I think he's going to have to be an important part of the team for the rest of the way through here. I, yes, the Copa del Rey is not the focus, but they're still in it. I mean, we've got this, the two matches the next two weeks against Sevilla, which is even if Sevilla knock us out, that was still, you're playing till you know, the beginning of February with that with that competition. It's not like Barcelona were embarrassed and knocked out early. If you get knocked out by, you know, a top four or five team in La Liga, no big deal there. But Taylor asks, what would constitute a good season for us? What are your expectations for the season? And I think, Mike, you'd probably agree with me here that I think we need to really 
not put the treble out of our mind, but I, I again want to give some reverence to understanding how difficult a treble is. Okay, so here's what here's what my take is on this. Um, if we get if we get La Liga plus a qualification to the semifinal, it should be seen as a satisfactory season. Of course, the goal is to to win the European Cup again. But it's not just our goal. It's everybody's goal. The Liverpools and the Manchester Cities and the, even Real Madrid, who shouldn't be discounted uh, since we all know that February, March is the time that they choose to wake up every single season. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are so many great clubs around Europe, PSG, so many great clubs who have spent so much money, not just in uh, in the most recent transfer window, but over the years, it's not just a matter of figuring out who's going to get it between Barca, Bayern, or Real Madrid. We have at least five or six serious contenders. Juventus shouldn't be shouldn't be forgotten either. So I'm thinking, considering recent performances, a qualification to the semifinal should be should be satisfactory, and then it's all up for grabs. And obviously. La Liga should be ours as well. The Copa del Rey, um, we didn't invest 300 million euros on two players to win another Copa del Rey, even <laughs> though it's an important. <laughs> yeah, well put. <laughs> even though it's an important trophy, it's the oldest trophy in Spain, uh, and Barca Barca's legacy uh has a lot to do with the Copa del Rey's legacy as a whole yeah 30 titles in in about 100 years but if we win it it's good if we don't i don't think that anyone's going to is going to cry over it what we really need at this point is the European Cup and what we can get without a shadow of a doubt is La Liga yeah there always is some irony too right is that Barcelona seem to dominate rather easily the Copa del Rey. And you look at their historic relationship, obviously not in today's political landscape, but the historical relationship that Barcelona had with uh, the, the well, I guess they still do to a point that, you know, the main government in Madrid and, and the, the crown and all these things and what that historically has meant. Uh, when also that was called the Copa Hanoismio, you know, a reminder, obviously, to the Franco era, you know, so I, I do think about how odd how the irony of Barcelona dominating just that particular competition uh, and the one thing I would also add to all of that is that we brought up Real Madrid here but the important thing is that yes Real Madrid have played pretty poorly they're still third in La Liga somehow and that's just what happens they've got a quality team they've, they've got guys that are worth you know hundreds of millions of dollars so fair but to that point if Real Madrid find a way to win the Champions League again and Barcelona don't it's going to be disappointing it's frustrating but but we will have to do our best to not frame our season based on their success. Um, and I, and to an even larger point, if they crash out, let's say even in this next round, that we don't base our season based on their lack of success, right? It might not still be a superbly successful season for Barca if Real Madrid are way behind them. It is frustrating that they're so linked in all of those different ways. But again, my greatest fear is they win the Champions League again. And then, Mike, as you also host a podcast, you know people stop listening, and that's kind of just what happens. <laughs> people get really down when they have to see their rivals succeed. And you can't stop people from feeling something, but I wish there was a way to kind of 
you know, te- have our expectations and then have the expectations of another. And even if Juventus, who has Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo, I, you know, you know how most of the Barcelona fan base feels about Cristiano Ronaldo. And so watching him have to hoist another Champions League trophy, say with the Juventus, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow for them. And, you know, Ira even asked, are Barcelona, speaking of Juventus, following the Juventus model on signing older players with two to three years playing time left? And this is just following up on the signing of Boateng. And I, I think with Messi now post-30 and most of the squad, that core of the squad post-30, I think, I wouldn't say it's the model, but I think Barcelona are adapting a, a, a portion of that. They're trying to get bigger players, uh, younger players for the future, and they're trying to you know, plan for the post-Messi era, if you will. But I, I think in the same regard, Barcelona need to do as much winning and want to do as much winning as they possibly can while they have the best player who's ever played on their team. Yeah, but I think that the the policy, the recruiting policy of FC Barcelona ever since, ever since uh, Abidal took over as a technical secretary has been a hybrid one, which means they're, they're signing these young players, but... They're also signing these experienced players who are fitting well within the system, and they're not committing for too long either. Right. Vidal, for example, is a two plus one. Uh, Paulinho came in for one year, and he was sold the the following summer. Boateng is a six month loan plus uh, plus a purchase option. Murillo, the same. He's a six month loan plus a purchase option. And he's only so, twenty six. He's only twenty six too. So I mean, it's not like he's a <laughs> super old player. He's still no, a exactly. guy. Yeah. And and for every one of those, they also brought in Artur. They also brought in Ling Lei. Those guys are mm-hmm. in their early 20s. So I, I think you're right, Mike. It's certainly, don't just look at Vidal and Prince Boateng and, you know, players that, it winds up, their transfers wind up being big news. But you look at playing time at the end of the season and Artur's transfer is going to be, I don't, I don't, I can't name the multiplier percentage on here. What a three hundred times more important, even to this season, than the Kevin Prince Boateng. Even though the one is a much more global name, because again, he's done it in the World Cup almost a decade ago. So of course, people know that name. Exactly, and uh, and he, I think that culturally speaking, when it comes to not historical Barca, but what Barca is today, Prince Boateng fits within that system. He. Yeah. he I, I I really think, and maybe it's a controversial opinion. I know I know you agree with me, Dan, but I'm not sure how the listeners are going to feel about this. <laughs> well, they can let us know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the the Prince Boateng signing makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, Mike. And I'm glad we were on the same page about this. I'm glad you got your hot take out about what constitutes a good season. Uh, you know, I don't want to say... People put you on blast, but I'm glad that we got a different opinion here. Uh, it's been a few months where friend of the pod, uh, Ohenya Karali, she's been away doing her own thing, but she always had the hot takes, and you know I, I love it that when we get another one, and I think that one, you know, constitutes as that, Mike. And now people know you well. Obviously, you're uh, a regular on the show, but just as a reminder, where else can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mike Miller FC. That's my personal Twitter account. I tweet I tweet mostly in English. And you can find me on at Blaugrana Pod as well. That's uh, the official Twitter account of the Blaugrana Podcast. Le Blaugrana Podcast, I should say. The only uh, FC Barcelona podcast in French. So if you speak French, I invite you to follow us. Uh, our SoundCloud channel is soundcloud.com slash Blaugrana Pod. And uh, we 
post a new episode on a weekly basis. So for all your francophone coolies out there, écoutez-nous, ça nous ferait un grand plaisir. So if you either speak French or are willing to want to learn, it's a great way to get that in your ears. And, you know, I give a little side here, uh, one of the followers and listeners of the show as well, at FeverFCB on Twitter. Uh, his name is Manuel. He also is, you know, doing Spanish languages. So I just want to give a little shout out to him as well. I've been in contact with him a lot and you can help him out there if you want to learn Spanish. So there's a lot of different ways that you can get podcast and particularly Barcelona podcast in your ears, whether it's French or this one in English, which we thank you again for tuning into. You can tap in your app, check out the show notes to subscribe to our show, which again, you just hit subscribe and that sends us the shows directly to your phone. You can also find us on social media too. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona pod or at Hilton D13 for me and on Instagram at the Barcelona pod. Our closed Facebook group is tvpod.link backslash group for deeper dives and discussions. And you can also help us out on Patreon where we have our quick take match reviews after every match. It's about five to eight minutes where I go through what I saw in the match. Because again, as you notice, we don't talk much about it. Leganes had a lot of talking points. So I got eight minutes over there on the Patreon. One dollar, three dollars. It just helps keep the lights on here we really appreciate that at tbpod.link backslash patreon so that wraps it up for mike miller and myself thanks so much for listening to the barcelona podcast until next time we'll talk to you soon and forza barca forza